0: Better way to do this. Let me show you Hi folks, this is Jack Spearco with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life, if times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is May the 29th, 2019, it is a Wednesday. It's episode 2448 of the Survival Podcast. See the pattern there? 24, double it, you get 48, 24, 48. It must be a conspiracy that we're going to talk about today. No, no, no. We're going to have expert council member, and longtime friend of the show in the community, Gary Collins on from The Simple Life Now. Uh, we're going to talk about his new book, his, actually his third book in his new book series called The Simple Life Series. The book he just released is called The Simple Life Guide to Decluttering Your Life, the how-to book of doing more with less and focusing on the things that matters. We're going to have him on in just a moment to talk about all that. It'll be a great show. It usually is when Gary's on the air with us. Before we do that, let's go ahead and hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day, number one today is ReadyMade Resources, a company that does what it says and says what it does. All the resources you need ready made, ready to go on their website, point, click, and buy with great pricing and great customer service. Been a sponsor of the show for well over nine years now. They're awesome, awesome people. Uh, They do a discount for MSB members, and like I said, if you can think of it, they've got it. All the resources you need right there on their website. Next up today, KnifeKits.com, the company that empowers you and anybody like you and anybody out there at all that really wants to, to make knives. You can do it with raw materials and become a a master bladesmith over time, or you can just get simple kits that allow you to fit some handle material, do some final fit and finish, maybe make a sheath, do the final sharpening. So you can start anywhere you want to, and you can develop that into a lifelong hobby, maybe just a project or two that you do with your kids to make something that, you know, it might not be worth a lot of money. When it comes down to it, if you took it to a pawn shop, but it might be priceless to your kid or your grandkid someday that you guys made that knife together. That's something really awesome you can do at Knife Kits. And it gets you doing what I say we all need to be doing, developing skills. Check them out today, KnifeKits.com. Also, they do a discount for MSB. On that note, I wanted to start featuring once in a while some of the companies that are in the MSB that are not sponsors, you know, maybe once a week. So I wanted to feature today for you MSB Discounter, Eden Brothers Seeds. Eden Brothers is an amazing, amazing seed company. I first found them when I was looking for large amounts of nasturtium seed, because I love to grow nasturtiums. I grow them in my my berms. I grow them on my wicking beds. If I'm planting stuff, I throw nasturtiums in in the spring. The heat gets to them you know, pretty quick here, but I get the beautiful greens and flowers for a while. Love that peppery taste. And... You know, finding the Sertium that was in a little tiny packet for 2 bucks of like 10 seeds was proving difficult. I couldn't find people that sold like the Sertium by the quarter pound. I found Eden Brothers Seeds, and I found a lot of other cool stuff there, and I ordered from them. And they had great service and good germination rates and just an amazing selection of things that a lot of my other supporters didn't have. So I reached out to them, got you guys a discount. That was well over a year ago. But, guys, it's a good discount, 15% on all orders and free shipping on all orders over 79 bucks, And so they're in the MSB. And that's just one of about 80 companies that do discounts. So when I say there's a lot of value in MSB, that's what I'm talking about. There's a good reason to join MSB and support the show that you love. You can learn more by going to the survivalpodcast.com and clicking on Members. With that, let's go ahead and get Gary on the show today. It's going to be a great one. We're going to talk about decluttering your life. In fact, that's the name of the book, The Simple Life, Guide to Decluttering Your Life the how-to book of doing more with less and focusing on the things that matter. With that, hey, Gary, man, welcome back to the Survival Podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on, Jack. Uh, This is my first time. I'm unfamiliar (laughs) with the show, so you might have to break me in gently.
0: (laughs) You know, we almost didn't get to do this uh, interview today. I had to put us off almost an hour because... There was a giant swirling cloud of death going over my house, and I had to talk my wife into how to drive around it. Uh, my wife is quite astute at driving around uh, tornadoes, so we had a, almost had a real survival podcast episode today. But uh, we're here to talk about your new book series, and specifically your latest book today on decluttering. Yep. And uh, so I want to do that, but I want to first, like, because, you know, you're making a joke. You've been on the show as much as anybody, probably as much as Stephen Harris. Um, but. There still could be somebody tuning in today to, for the first time. No idea who the hell you are. You're some clown as far as they're concerned. So tell us about your background, man. Oh, I am a clown.
1: I <laughs> have the makeup and everything, dance around. <laughs> um, according to some people I do, apparently, who don't like my stuff. But, uh, yeah, I spent 20 years, grew up real remote in a very small town, little redneck in the middle of nowhere. People find that hard to believe in California, but it exists. In went to college, put myself through school, ended up in the military after college, got a master's degree in forensic science, ended up working for the federal government for half my life by the time I left as a – I did military intelligence and as a federal agent. I have a bachelor's in criminal justice, master's in forensic science, and a AS in exercise science. Always been a health guy, as we know, Jack. That's how you found me. Uh, started a company after I got out of the military primal paleo health kind of learned uh from being with fda at the end which was all kinds of fun um yeah and yeah basically used the knowledge that i'd gained on natural health which is pretty interesting but it was investigating natural health people that brought me to a different enlightenment and uh, i learned health like all of us you played sports we Eat a bunch of carbs, drink Gatorade and, you know, power bars, and that's all you need to do. And next thing you know, you're 100 pounds overweight, you've got type 2 diabetes, you know, you feel like crap, and you can't figure it out.
0: You know, and I'm they- going to give you my theory on why all that shit works when you're in high school and early college years <laughs> and all. Because you're freaking 19 years old and working yep. out every day. It's not like it's helping you. It's just like, oh, you could probably live on freaking Mounds and Almond Joy bars when you're 19 and you're you're playing football or something. So I think we get tricked into believing that that story actually works, and it's just being 19 that that makes it work for you. And 19-year-olds eat Cheetos and jump on a treadmill. I mean, you know what I mean.
1: Well, (laughs) not only that, but our generation, you know, growing up in the 70s, I mean, I was active. I mean, you couldn't, uh, we were wild banshees. I mean, you couldn't, I mean, I remember you couldn't even keep clothes on us half the time. We didn't care. We were outside, run wild.
0: Well, if you get, if you went home, they gave you a job to do. Exactly. You you didn't go home till dinner time, you know?
1: Well, dark. (laughs) It was either eat dinner or dark, depending what time of the year it was. And you're right. It was, or you eat at a friend's house and then you had like two or three more hours to go screw around before you had to be home before it got dark. It was just a different lifestyle. Video games were not out yet. You know, we're still dealing with cassettes, eight tracks, you know, vinyl, (laughs) you know, vinyl was huge. So it was a different time. I mean, just completely different. And not only that, but you know, as, as more generations come out, the genetic factor now with the epigenetics and not only that, but the genetics that bad or, uh, I shouldn't say bad parents, but unhealthy parents pass along. So not only were we burning calories at a higher rate, we were still eating pretty bad. I don't think we were eating that much better. But with the modern, with kids today, their metabolism screwed up, their immune system is screwed up, and it's been proven, you know, after generation and generation, this stuff gets passed on. You know, you, you can get the fat gene. If your parents are overweight, the odds of you being overweight as a kid are pretty high. Yeah, and that's how we ended up you know, how I got into health was to help people and was training athletes and all kinds of good stuff and next thing you know, uh I'm on your show and I say, Hey, what are you up to, Gary? I go, I bought twenty acres and I'm gonna build a house off the grid. And you went, What? What the hell is all that about? And uh, <laughs> you know, it was just it was a life thing. I had downsized, I'd sold my house got out of the government, sold my house, got rid of most of my belongings. Was renting a small little cottage around 475 square feet. You know, I just transitioned my whole life and was starting over and was on this path and where the path was going, I, I really didn't know. I was just going to do the things that I felt made me happy. And that's the route I went. And with that off the grid book, I, you know, I wasn't planning on writing a book about it. But people were interested and they're all, what the heck are you doing? How are you doing it? Went, oh God, I better write a book, you know, cause I had those health books out, but those were, you know, those weren't serious. Those were just mainly for clients. So they wouldn't ask me the same questions over and over again.
2: <laughs>
1: it, honestly, that's what it was for. It was a reference material for clients. And I had a marketing guy who said, just throw it on Amazon, which at the time sounded great. Now I look back and go, that was a terrible idea. Probably should have never done that. But because they last forever,
2: mm-hmm.
1: as as now a full time author, I realize your old works. If you throw them on Amazon, you can't get rid of them. Those books today, they're they're almost what seven, eight years old. Yeah, they're still selling used. I don't sell them. I haven't sold them for well over a, a year or two. I don't even remember oh, wow. when I stopped. Yeah, and they're still selling used. The used well, copies still float around.
0: What is it that really kind of pushed you to? To go into this this entire new kind of um, niche, so to say, I think it, m- most of your most of your money that you earned in the stuff we were just talking about was probably more clients, you know, yep. hands on, face to face. And then the books were like, hey, why don't you just you know you have this content, let's put this out there, et cetera. It helps, and, and now you've really taken this seriously as an author, and you're going down this path of making life simple. What what drove you to do that other than you put we, we we know you put in a house that was a really cool house you know you have now um, but what was it that made you want to go this way?
1: It, it's an interesting story. I, I'm writing a, a how to start your own small business book in the series, so it's going to get even more interesting because I'm going to share more of how all this happened. But you know some of it's dumb luck. But as an entrepreneur, I'd started a company, my first company, now almost 20 years ago, so I wasn't a total rookie. But I was new in the writing, and you know I didn't go to school for journalism or anything. you know I wrote reports, criminal investigative reports. that was my writing, and that's not necessarily a good writing style for books. It's actually a really bad type of writing for for books, and so that off the grid book kind of spawned you know, I decided to take it a little more serious through random you know things lining up. I was at a brewery in Sacramento, California. And I run into a a friend of my friends introduces me to another friend who's in the publishing industry. Next thing you know, I have a professional uh, company that does, would do the layout and the cover for me, the cover designer. So I went, you know, I'm, they gave me a quote and I went, you know, it's not that bad. Maybe I put some effort into this book and, and make it, make it high, higher quality. And yet, you know, I'm learning. I'm an indie author. I, I hadn't been, I'd been offered deals. I turned them all down. They're all crappy. None of them were any good. So I, you know, did it on my own and I put that off the grid, going off the grid book and the thing kind of took off. I stuck it on Amazon, did my usual, um, stupid marketing, which was none and, and it just kind of went on your show. You know, your, your, their followers, a lot of them are my followers now too. And it just kind of, blew up, and a, a distribution publishing company out of Tennessee found it. And of all things, they were well-known for vegan and vegetarian cookbooks, a lot of other stuff. <laughs> but that was their thing. So think of a primal paleo guy because I'm still a health company at this point. The off-the-grid book was just throw it out there and, okay, see what happens. And they loved it. They go, we don't care that you're a primal paleo guy. We don't care about that. We like this off the Grid book, and we want to try and sign you for it, and they wanted to publish it. And I said, Nah, I'm not really interested in that. And I actually almost deleted the email Mm -hmm. because I thought they're because the company's called Book Publishing Company. Mm -hmm. They're really cool people. I mean, super cool. The name fits. They're real straightforward, simple. Love it. We get we have a great relationship. I said, No, I'm not interested. And he goes, Well, how about we distribute distribute for you? And I went, What do you mean by that? I didn't know what that meant. I go, I just. You know, I use create space, you know, print on demand, whatever. I don't even know how the thing works. They go, no, no, no. What we'll do is we'll do the printing for you in batches. Uh, if, and they, uh, we went back and forth. And I said, I want to keep the rights though. They go, okay. So I have the rights to everything. They now distribute all my books print. So they go through, uh, Amazon. They have their own account and that's basically what spurred on that book became more popular. And people started to really like it. And next thing you know, I went, I went, maybe I should take this writing thing a little more seriously. Uh, and not that I didn't just gaff it. I wasn't just throwing books out. I was doing the best I could. I had a professional editor, you know, I was doing the best I could with the resources I had. And from there, the message started getting a little wonky, you know, cause I'm a health guy, but now I've got this going off the grid book kind of out there. And I'm kinda, of, you know, I'm building the house in the in the process and I'm super busy and I always did speaking stuff and was a college professor. Was doing side hustles, doing anything I could to pay the bills. Well, not anything, but you know, it'll work. I was doing whatever I had to do. And yeah, next thing I know, it just kept growing and a couple people said, man, you need to start, maybe you need to take just the writing thing and move with that. And I had the RV book because I live in, most people who follow me, uh, know that I moved into my RV, uh, after the rental house, which I was in for about four years, plotting and, you know, figuring stuff out and getting financially free, you know, debt free. And so I, uh, yeah, I just kind of decided the RV book was going to go in a different direction and the simple life came about. It was loosely titled that. And, you know, I was talking to a couple people and they go, you should write a series. And I went, the simple life. huh and they go, no, that's it. This friend of mine he goes, no, that's what you, that's the series. And I went, no, you're right. And next thing you know, here I am. This happened oh, about 14 months ago. I totally pivoted the company, changed the direction. Not necessarily because I still teach health. Health's the cornerstone of everything I teach to this day. But, yeah, it's um interesting how it's all kind of unfolded. so now I have the off the grid stuff and then the simple life series and, they... and,
0: and how have you kind of like transitioned that with your website like are you you know just putting content up or are you trying to make the website more cater to this whole thing?
1: Oh no, we me and my web guy, we switched it over right away, so my transition once I made up my mind, and anyone knows me, once I make up my mind to do something, I'm going to do it. We transitioned everything over, new domain, gave it a facelift, and in 30 days, we basically flipped the whole company over to the Simple Life Now, which is the domain I have, and just changed it, just changed the direction, still still sell my supplement line. I have so many customers that have been buying my supplement line for years. I can never get rid of that thing. I mean, I wouldn't want to because they trust me. I mean, they come to me because I have a background in it. You know, that's what I used, you know, what I used to do. Um, so, yeah, it was more of just get it done and rebrand yourself and not change. It wasn't changing my, you know, me as a person. It was I was evolving personally into something else. It was more about life simplification is what I was finding. And the health part, as you know, is a huge part of it. So that has not gone away.
0: Well, and it's I think, just, I think yeah. you know, that when it comes to, like, what you do and what I do is content creation. We are creators. Yes, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's what we do. I mean, we do all our other shit, but then we use that to create content. And I think it's always been true that authors, speakers, et cetera, whatever they were teaching, etc., at the time, if they were genuine, was reflective of where they were in their personal journey on, on the planet and what they were doing in their life. And today with the Internet – you could be much more agile with that. Like if something comes up tomorrow, you discover it's really cool, and if it's going to go in your next book, that might take a while. But you can have it out on your website or a YouTube video or on a podcast, you know, five minutes after you decide this is something you're doing now.
1: Absolutely, and that's the thing about indie writing. I'm now I'm a hybrid. I'm published as well through a um, through a publishing company, and then I have my own company where I publish my books. As well, and I'm working on a whole nother publishing deal uh, on fiction, which is pretty interesting. So it's, yeah, it's one of those, you can change directions fairly quickly, but you have to be nimble. You know, if I didn't, if I had a mindset and dug my heels in and just said, you know what, what I've done is good enough, I'm just going to throw these books in, I think it would have really, really confused people finding me for the first time. People who'd been with me would have been like, oh, I know where Gary's going. You know, I follow him. But people coming in new would have been like, what in the world is this thing? You know, is this guy a health guy? Is he, what's he doing? And even then I had to jump really quickly because one of the problems in the indie publishing world right now is since it's so easy, this is kind of the dark side of the industry. There's a lot of copycatters and they're looking for trends. So if you don't move quick, there's someone watching. And if your book takes off, and this has happened to me now three times in the last six months, someone sees that I'm ranking, and they turn around and they'll copy what you're doing. And they, they can, boom, they can put it out within a week. They can get it on Amazon, get the digital, and now Amazon has print-on-demand through KDP, which was only digital. You can put out a book super fast. So it's tricky. So you kind of have to get your brand and get it out there quick or you're going to you're going to be competing with copycatters left and right cuz that's kind of a new thing too in publishing is people who don't necessarily want to be writers but they're looking for a quick buck and the, yeah it's it's anything you know it's any business there's always people who are going to copy you and it's kind of flattering you know you know if someone's copying your stuff you go well I must have done something right it must not totally suck
0: yeah yeah, Man, and it's so like when you do something, you you do it, you know, in your uh, particular way. This latest book is on decluttering. Yeah. So, so what's what's unique about your your book on this versus the eighty other books that are out there on decluttering and you know TV shows about it and what have you? What is kind of your unique approach and how you're coming at this?
1: Yeah, well, that's the curse of writing too. I had that concept probably a year ago. And of course, Marie Kondo, her, her show blows up and her book's been out for a while. And I've, I've read minimalist books and decluttering books and I never felt they, they solved the problem because decluttering in your house is just kind of one piece of the puzzle today. And so with my simple life series, what I'm trying to do is lead people through this journey that I've been on too. So I don't just write about random topics. I only write about stuff that I know about, that I have a background in which is pretty unique I, from what I find today, but it, I'm more comfortable with that. So I always said it's not about decluttering your house per se. It's about decluttering your life because the house is kind of sy- symbolistic of, of our lives. Everything's cluttered. You know, We have all this crap jammed into our house, these random items we purchased we never used, things that don't give meaning to our life. So I went, let's look at all the things in modern society today – That's cluttering your life, not just your house, but emotional aspects. So of course I start off with, um, I had to start with life purpose. I go, I find today to include myself once I got out of the government is most people lack life purpose. They don't know why they're here and what they're going to do. And you can see it, you know, the opiate addiction problem. We have a huge depression issue. People are depressed. They're not happy. They're not satisfied. Even though we're, you know, we have the most material goods we've ever had. It's not fixing the problem. So I had to look at that and dissect it. And I said, you know, for me, it was coming up with what my life purpose was. And what that means is what would I do that would that not only benefits myself, but benefits others. And I would do it anyway, even if I didn't get paid. That's how I look at it. Sounds woo-woo, of course. People go, you can't feed yourself on woo-woo. And I agree. <laughs> you know. <laughs> it sounds great in theory. But for me, you can make those work. And not only that, but I'm gonna I'm writing the next or uh, almost done with the next book, which is Financial Freedom, which I think is gonna blow people's minds. It's not an investment book. And there's pieces of it in this book, but it's our finances. So I start with life purpose, go to health, because I always tell people, I go, we're unhealthy, period. And there was a study done by the CDC, I believe, where they they asked people in a survey, they go, how would you rank your health? 70% of Americans rank their health as great or excellent. And I went, we are disillusioned. We have lost our minds. Yeah,
0: Yeah. go to Walmart and make that case, right? I mean, just walk around Walmart, especially on the 1st or the 15th, and you make that case to me that – Most Americans are in excellent health.
1: Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. Well, and and what I did off that is I ran an experiment, nothing real formal, not scientific, Gary experiment. So I decided any time I was in front of like a grocery store, shopping center, Walmart, wherever I was, I would spend 30 seconds watching and just watching the people and see how long it would take me to find someone obese (laughs) <laughs> and I found it took me about ten seconds, if that. Yeah. It was quick, and not only was was I finding someone obese, I was finding someone morbidly obese within ten seconds usually.
0: Well, you know what if, you know what bye bye arm is. You know, when a person waves bye bye, and then their their arm waves bye bye yeah. too. Yeah. There, there's a, a phenomenon. It's a new thing. It I didn't exist when the, in, when we were kids, Gary. It's called I call it the bye bye elbow, and the bye bye elbow is where the person is so fat they can take the tip of their finger on one hand and, and poke the elbow on the other arm and make the tip of their finger disappear into their elbow. The the fact that that is a thing tells you that the the, the claim is not valid.
1: (laughs) Well, and it shocked me because I I was not expecting to see that kind of research. And then what I did, I mean, I just went, I knew we had a health problem, but it's worse than I even thought because I think the statistics are even wrong. I think it's worse than the statistics are saying. And so I went, okay, Everyone – I go, we're going to start with the biggest elephant in the room. Life purpose is important, but you can figure that one out. You know, It's a journey. You, you'll find it, and it could change. There's a good chance it could change. So from health, I went, let's go with the biggest elephant in the room. Again, no pun intended. And I go, we're going to tackle health. And I go, the reason we're going to tackle health and we're going to declutter your health is because people spend so much time on apps, watch uh, health tracker watches – you know, software, their computer, the you know, everything. They go to gyms, they sign up for programs. Our health is totally cluttered. We spend all this time on it, and we're going in the opposite direction. I went. You got to simplify it. I mean, I've been into health most of my life, and I go, guys, it's not this hard. And I, that's part of my poor business model too. Is you can't you can't make money off healthy people. <laughs> I try to get people healthy and then you don't need me anymore. It's pretty basic. So we started there and then I went into finances because the two things people complain about all the time when I was doing consulting on the health side was their health, time and money, right? I went oh, Of course. I mean if you're healthy, you're more you're going to get more done, you're gonna have more energy, you're gonna sleep better, your relationships are gonna be better, you're going to act better. You're have better cognitive function. You're going to have a better life. And people look at me and they kind of go, hmm, maybe he does have a point. I go, if you don't start with your health, everything else is going to be ten times more difficult. You can fix everything else and leave your health, and your life is pretty much probably going to be a shit show still. Because that health is such a huge factor of, of how we are as humans and how we feel, how we communicate. You know, if you feel crappy all the time – You're going to be pretty cranky. You're not going to be a nice person to be around. So then, yeah, and then went into finances and some other things. And that's what I wanted to go through is decluttering your life. So take all these pieces and when we put them all together, and I actually had a chapter about politics, which I've never done before. I work really hard to make sure there's no politics in any of my books because I don't think politics has anything to do with improving your life. And it's a, it just, there's no place for it. I, so I put in a chapter about political tribalism, which resonated pretty well because I used to work there. I go, I wasn't, I just don't know how the sausage was made. I was a sausage. I stood next to all these idiots. I heard their private conversations. And so, you know, it's how we pit each other and the political tribalism, how we're just fighting each other instead of dealing with the corrupt bad politicians. We're at each other's throats instead. And they want that. It's a game. As long as we're not paying attention to what they're doing and we're fighting each other, they win. That's the game. So I get into details and in how, you know, most most politicians are millionaires and people don't know. And not only millionaires, some of them are ridiculously rich. And came into, you know, were congressman, came in with not even two nickels to scratch together. Now they have a net worth of over 100 million dollars and they've been, you know, in politics for 40 years. That's a problem. That's a big problem and and fighting each other over that doesn't solve the problem you know and using you know using social media and getting on there and spending hours you know a day, and you're going, "You suck, I rule, I'm smarter than you you know it, it just it, it, it you're just you're getting in a vortex of wasting time, and I found a statistic recently that the average American spends seven hours a day watching t v on the internet or on technology devices such as pads, phones, whatever, seven hours a day, and wow. people wonder why they're overweight, unhappy, and feel like they don't have enough time. I think it's pretty obvious, and uh, a couple people have told me that it's real obvious, and I'm a moron. But I go, if it's that <laughs> obvious, this is a. I, I love that too because what we've created in a, and this is being in self-help now, being true self-help, I find it interesting that people will lash out at you. Not many. I've been really lucky. But as I get bigger and as I sell more books, they start coming. And they go, I already know that. This is ridiculous. I can't believe this is a book. You know, stuff like that. You go, well, if you know all this, why do the statistics say otherwise? You know, if you're so brilliant, where's your book? I would read
0: it. And Well, the other thing is, well, why are you paying attention to me if I'm wrong? It,
1: that's the thing. And I, I find it as part of the whole kind of breakdown of society because instead of, it's so much easier to criticize and poo poo someone else instead of taking responsibility and making change. And this is what I usually hear from people like that. When I talk to them, they go, well, I can't do that. And I went, ah, ah, ah. never start a sentence with, I can't. Never do that because that means I won't, and I'm going to use 10 excuses of why you can do it and I can't. That's what that means. I go, you should say, Gary, I like what you're doing. I'm interested. How do I do it? Because one thing I can guarantee, if you don't change, nothing's going to change. It's the same old thing. And so it's kind of getting into the self-help realm, and you 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 do it too is the combattedness with some people and they'd rather just slam you and just ridicule you instead of just going okay it wasn't for me or okay how do I change it's more of you're you're not doing it the way I would do it <laughs> <You're> all, okay <laughs> you know and you have to let that stuff roll off your back and that's one of the hard transitions for me is I'm getting into a area that can be pretty contentious you know people Can be very thin skinned. And a lot of people are easily offended. And I'm "I'm not writing this to offend you. I'm writing this to help you. Trust me, I could make a lot more money doing something else. But this is my life purpose I have found. I've always taught people. I've always, you know, between the military law, it was always to help people. So this was kind of a natural, kind of, kind of natural progression in life. And I thoroughly enjoy it. You know, I love seeing the light go on in people and they write you an email and they go, man, your book changed my life. And you're all, dang, that's why I wrote it. You know, I didn't write it for me. <laughs> you know, it wasn't to help me. And so that's kind of the rewarding. And that's if you find your life purpose. And that's why I talked about it in the book. Start with it. It's like you don't work. It's weird. You know, the last year I've put in a lot of hours. But. They've been the happiest hours of my life, which was pretty interesting. I don't know if I expected it to kind of go that way because hmm. everything I do and everything I write about and help people is enjoyable for me.
0: What is the main thing that you discuss in this new book of yours? Um, I always have to drag that out of authors and talk around mm-hmm. it. If I tell too much about the book, people won't buy it. That's not true. So, like, let's talk about the actual book itself, like, what, what is the main thing you discuss in the book that you feel causes people to you know, feel trapped, be unwilling to declutter, or what have you?
1: Oh, It's a couple things. I would say consumerism is a big one, and that's a big thing I touch on in the book because a lot of what we hear today and politicians love rallying on this is people are struggling. They just don't have enough to eat. I'm looking around. We got plenty to eat. It's, we, we got more than enough to eat. That's not the problem. Our problem is just like the government, we have a spending problem. And I don't mean that, I don't mean that some people don't struggle. I grew up in a trailer in the middle of the desert in a town of 50 people. I've been poor. I've eaten some pretty horrific food. That's, that today I think is overblown. I'm not saying that people do not struggle. People can't find their next meal. But overall, we're a very prosperous society. Our problem is we, whatever we get, we spend and we spend it like drunken sailors. And then we say we don't have enough. And I, 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 the next book on financial freedom, I break out some numbers that are going to boggle people's minds of how much money they waste during their, uh, uh, their lifetime. It's, uh, I'll just give a little teaser. It's over a million bucks. That I tracked without even trying. I wasn't even working that hard to track because it it was getting to be too much. I was all, this book's going to be 500 pages long and there's going to be 50 different things I can put in here where people waste money and a lot of it. So I had to keep it to the basics. So talking about consumerism and letting it – letting that type of mindset take over. So instead of working on yourself, your family, your relationships, you know, if you want more freedom, changing jobs, being an entrepreneur, maybe splitting, working as an entrepreneur, having a full-time job, people instead just try to fill it with items, this unhappiness. And we're always told we need to consume more, right? It's If you don't buy this, Gary, you're not going to be happy. See this shiny car? Look how happy these people are in this car that they totally can't afford. But they got big (laughs) smiles. And we've bought into that hook, line, and sinker. And what it's doing is it's putting us on a perpetual kind of span into being an indentured servant. Once we hit about age 25 today, we're almost locked in to where we can't get out of the debt load we have. So I talk about that as well as you have to look at – as happiness is not things, but what are the things that make you happy outside of those objects? And people have to self-reflect. And it's your, again, your relationships, finding your life purpose. Um, you know, not spending too much time with technology. People will think I'm anti-technology. I'm all no. I run my whole business on technology. I started this thing. I wrote my books in a travel trailer for God's sakes. Trust me. I, I like technology, but people are shocked at how little technology I use. I use what I need as a tool. I don't screw around. I don't have an iPad. I don't have, you know, uh, a Kindle reader. I don't have a, you know, a, a health tracker watch, a cell phone, uh, you know, it just, a video game console. Next thing you know, you have all these gadgets around you. And do you need them? Are they really making you happy? And think of all the money and time you've invested and not only that, but you've got to buy a new one, each one probably once a year if you fall into what they tell you to do. So every time you buy a new one, you have to relearn it, right, because it's changed. Is it better? No. But they need you to buy another one because they need to make more money. And understanding that big corporations, and you talk about this a lot, that big corporations don't necessarily have you know, your best interest in mind. They're to push a product on you. That's their goal. They want to sell you something. And you have to determine whether that is a smart product for you to make your life better or not. And that's how I live my life today. I I give an example of when I was a kid, the items that made me the happiest were my bike, my baseball mitt, a football, and a basketball, and my dog. Those were the things that made me the happiest. There's maybe a couple hundred bucks in there. (laughs) That's about it. And that's why I, I try and do in this book is have people kind of reflect and pick out the items and understand what items make them happy. It's a tough one. You know, people don't like getting rid of their crap. I didn't. It was rough.
0: You know, it, what it makes me think of is when I got out of the Army, I was just 21 years old, and I had this – uh 1970-something, I don't even remember what. It was a, a, a Ford Mustang two, which is like a big Pinto. I remember those. Right, a big Pinto, basically. And uh, I bought it for $400 when I got out of the Army for cash, and I literally put everything I owned that mattered into that car when I drove to Texas and moved here. And if you remember what a Mustang two is, even without a passenger, there's not an awful lot of stuff <laughs> That you can fit into a Mustang too. Now, I, I, I tell you what, I kicked myself for selling that car, even though it was kind of a piece of crap. Because every once in a while you get nostalgic about your old vehicles. I looked up what a Mustang 2 that's in decent shape shells for today, and it just it boggles my mind. But, uh, you know, I, the point is, at that age, I was able to fit everything that I owned that I cared about into a Mustang 2. A couple months prior to that, I lived for about three months on the Appalachian Trail pretty much carrying whatever I needed with me and as we, we get older and become more successful it's nice to have nice things I don't want to give up all my stuff but I do think that we can get over over go over the top with it and you would think that it's people that are really successful that do it but it's in my no. my, my view it's not like because like I can pretty much have any like I've, t- I've told my wife repeatedly. She said, "Well, I want to get this. You can get that. You can have anything you want. You just can't have everything you want, right?" So you can yep. have anything you want, and you know, there's a point where you go, "I don't need anything." People are like, "Well, what do you want for your birthday?" To be left alone, uh, to not have to cook for my entire family. I don't know. Like you know, like I don't want any stuff anymore. You know, I got enough stuff. And, uh, I mean, even simple little stupid things, like when we brought Ridge Wallet on as a sponsor a couple of years ago, and I had this big billfold with all this crap in it, and I was like, I don't know that I like a lot of stuff's not going to go in here. And, you know, things like my challenge coin and stuff like that, and I'm like, you know, and it turns out you don't actually need that. I'm not in the Army anymore. I'm not having people throw yep. a coin up on a bar top every other day at me every, any, anymore. Uh, It can go into a little shadow box and be a piece of memorabilia. And it sounds stupid, but not having that giant lump of a loaf on my ass anymore has made my life just a little bit better. And it it just comes from being willing to let go of stuff. And you were talking about the trap of of debt. I think it's part of why it's not it's people that are not unsuccessful, but not as successful as they'd like to be, that have way too much crap because they have enough money to acquire stuff But then, as they're trapped into that debt, and you're trying to tell them, hey, you know, maybe let go of some of this stuff, and maybe you don't need that extra room that's full to the top, that you can't even get to the back of the closet in. But all that shit came at the cost of whatever it cost that day, plus the interest they're still paying on it. And so now, how can I get rid of that because, you know, I'm still paying for it? I think there's a lot of that in America.
1: Well, the first thing is a Mustang was cool because Farrah Fawcett had one in Charlie's Angels. Jack, okay. just remember yeah. that. Yeah, you know, st- still remember that poster.
0: <laughs> but it was a Mustang too. It wasn't I know. a Mustang. They tricked us. They I know. they made the Pinto like a foot longer and called it a Mustang. Anyway. Oh, they <laughs>
1: yeah, but and that's what I bring about the definitions of freedom, and I because I, to me people would think that. It, I, I'm almost anti-money, too, and I go, absolutely not. I like nice things, too, but I, only, I like buying things once. And I give a couple examples of, you know, I have a Camelback that's over 15 years old now. And I've looked at new ones. It's the same thing. Matter of fact, I think mine's better. It stinks. It's got a lot of sodium and salt in it from all my sweat. It's a little crusty. And then I have an Iron Man watch that's 21 years old. I use them to this day use the exact same gear. It still is fantastic. Nothing's changed. Most people would have bought those items five times over by now for no apparent reason. And then they end up in their closet. So every time you do that, you have to realize that you're taking a chunk of freedom, potential freedom away from yourself. Freedom equals money equals freedom and the more money you have the more potential freedom you have the more freedom you have the less money you need to maintain that freedom that's how i define it so every time you do that not only are you wasting money but i look at it as i'm taking a part of freedom from myself i'm taking it from me i'm i'm doing it to me that's the worst part of it is no one's doing it to you you're doing it to yourself so you have to look at that and then i you know i had to say well okay People go, well, pff, well, he's just into greed, he just get as much money as you possibly can. And I go, No, 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 no. Greed and freedom are different things. Greed and money, prosperity, totally different things. Greed is when you acquire more money than you could ever spend and that you could are rational to your lifestyle. That's greed. That's a totally different ball game. So that that it's a moving target, so it's gonna be different for everyone. You know, everyone has their threshold. I know what my magic number is. That I say, I'm out. Good luck, guys. Have fun. No, I would <laughs> never do that. But because uh, I enjoy what I do, I'll do this. I'm in a p- place where I can do this till I take my last breath, pretty much, which is pretty cool. Well, as long as people keep buying books. If not, well, that changes things. <laughs> but you know, in trying to to explain that to people and have them understand. You know, the system, the financial system, and the corporate structure is basically geared to keep you broke. And you're right. It's not the people who already have money. It's middle class and below who go out and blow every dime they have, and they finance everything they own. And especially with the high cost of college education today, which me and you have discussed many times, and I know you discuss all the time on the podcast, do you really need a college degree today? I,
0: I, I think it, say depends. It, it depends. It depends. Are you be, exactly. do you, do it you depends. It depends. Do you have great grades and you're a good fit for university and you want a future in engineering? By God, go to college. Go to college. If you're like, I don't know what I want to do, don't go to college. Like just – I don't even care what comes after that. People that have no path in mind at the, at the moment that they walk across that stage in high school and they think they've accomplished something, it's like, congratulations. You just, you just finished the easiest part of your life. Um, yep. those people that don't know what they want should go get a job, go apprentice if they have some money saved up, maybe go travel. You know, go do something to broaden your horizons to the point where you know what you want. You know, there's, and there, there's so many things. I, you probably didn't catch yesterday's show, but, you know, I just learned about this new thing called Praxis, where these kids, like, you go in and you have a six-month boot camp. And that you can do that from anywhere. You like, sit at your house, do it on the Internet, but they teach you how to market yourself, how to, how to build a website, how to do projects, how to like, figure out, I want to learn how to do this, and then do a project with that so that you actually come out the end of that project. You document everything. At six months, they match you to an employer, mostly tech startups, and they give you a guaranteed internship for $15 an hour. For 40 hours a week for that six months. Now, you might have to move to take that internship, but, hey, you and I have moved a lot because of opportunities, yep. right? Oh,
2: yeah. At the yeah, end
0: yeah. of that, you know, a lot of times people do get full-time offers or they go somewhere else, and now they know how to actually get a job. And if you look at the, the tuition on it's 12000 bucks. Well, you make more than that in your internship than the cost. So it's basically revenue neutral, which by, if you don't know what it means, you will by the time you're done with them, I guarantee you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and you don't have this 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 lifelong skill set, a documentation of your track record, and I look at that and go, how the hell can college compete with that? And the answer is they can't. No, they absolutely cannot. Like cannot infinity, right? And so I think when I look at that, there, how much money could a person save by doing that instead of doing four years of college, not knowing what they want, by the way, and then add on to it, what are those three years of working? Instead of being in school worth on the income side, and the income side is one part of what you're talking about. With what you're really talking about is wealth versus being, you know, being wealthy versus being rich.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: but the other side, the side that's more important with the decluttering is, if you're going to declutter, you're also going to stop acquiring shit you don't need, because otherwise yep. it's not decluttering; it's juggling. Right. This goes to yep. Goodwill, and this goes to my house, and this goes to Goodwill, and this goes to my house, or this goes to garage sale, and this goes to my house. So when they stop that, it's more about stopping the outflow than trying to increase the inflow. Because as you said, most people waste tremendous amounts of money. And you're talking about credit cards. And dude, I know plenty of people that I'll give them credit. They're not going into credit card debt. But they're still spending every dollar they have. And it's all little shit. It was only 5 bucks. It's only 10 bucks. Yep. This was only $20. And I deserve it. You know, that's the thing. I deserve it. I deserve it. Okay, you deserve Exactly what you then remember that when you bitch
1: you yep, said you I deserved
0: agree. it, you know what I mean,
1: yeah, and it, it with college, it's a little different now too, because when me and you were growing up, going to college for me wasn't going to didn't have the financial impact it does today. you could screw up when I was a teenager and go to college and take out some student loans, and it wouldn't ruin the rest you know the next ten years of your life you know you could you could you could recover from it. Mm -hmm. Today, you can't. You get a hundred grand in debt out of college to have a liberal arts degree, you're in trouble. And now you're gonna have to dig yourself out of that hole. That hole's a deep hole to start off at 22, 23 years old, without any work experience. And I always tell people, I go, college is a great fit if you wanna go into a specialty that requires college. If not, and you're unsure that college is for you, How about this? Go, yeah, exactly. Go get a job. I started working at 13. I worked all the way through college. I never had, I never could, had a problem finding a job in any economy because I had a work record. They knew I could show up. They knew what I could do. You know, I knew how to do an interview. I knew how to, you know, sit there and answer questions from a boss. I knew how to follow directions. So go out there, get a job. And if you want to go to a community college and dabble, it's not going to hurt you. It's not a waste of time. Take Maybe you find or courses out, wait, wait. for
0: a grand yeah. and, and then, you know, I think if you're doing that, then don't even worry about, you know, your core courses or whatever. Nope. Go take some things you find interesting and see what you discover.
1: Yep. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and
1: you never know. You may discover something that you never thought you wanted to pursue, or you could realize college sucks, I hate it. <laughs> okay. Then you know, don't go. And and that's the today with all the trades, especially up where I'm at. They pay way more than anything I earned out of college. I mean, you can make a good living in the trades today, but most people don't want to do them. And it's with everything I'm trying to teach, I'm trying to change the mindset because I think, I think we've kind of lost our way and and we've got to get it back because we're, we're just, we're going down this road that it's just not a good road. You know, we're, We're animals. We're meant to be free. Humans are meant to be free. you know. And we've lost touch with that. We've lost touch that we're just another hairless ape wandering this planet with a bunch of other organisms. And we're all trying to figure it out. But trying to figure it out by spending everything you earn and making yourself miserable along the way, well, that's not the answer. And you have to find the answer out for yourself. All I can do is give you some tools that I've learned. You know, am I a life clairvoyant? No, you know, but I've done this stuff on my own. No one was holding my hand. And I think the thing is anyone can do it. And that's the biggest thing I'm trying to prove is that this stuff is not impossible. If you put your head down, figure out a plan, put a list out, you know, even if you're in a lot of debt, the easiest way to not fix the problem is not to fix the debt. I actually had a girlfriend was crying for 30 minutes at the table. We had all of her bills out. <laughs> and she's all, I want help. And I went, and then she just looked at her. She goes, I can't even look at these anymore. I go, we're not going to fix this problem unless you face up and go, you got to do it. And she did. And to this day, we're still great friends. She's been debt free for a long time. Her life is fantastic. But that turning point was that moment at the table where she had to realize this isn't working you know i've done this to myself i got to fix it and that's the whole part of the consumerism model you know that we all know it, it, it most people should know but it's that thing of you need to save and i'm not talking about you know cuz people confuse that with taking fun away right they'll go well you're just telling me not to live mm. No, I'm telling you there's other things important besides uh, your fifth purse or your third set of golf clubs.
0: You know, here's now. what I try to explain to people when that conversation comes up. Right now, you have a limit to what you can spend. It exists, whether you understand it or not. And that limit is either how much money you have after you pay your required bills every year and what, every month and whatever's left beyond that, or that plus as much as you can go into debt with a credit card. So there's already a number that captures spending. All I'm suggesting you do is pick the number for yourself and make it less than your income. And then whatever money you decide you want to spend on anything from fun to investment to crap beyond what you've budgeted, do whatever you want with. You want to go to the dollar store and buy a bunch of garbage? Fine. Just set your own cap. And that's the problem is I think people really fear doing that. Like it's going to take something out of their life in some way. And then that same person is absolutely miserable. And the very thing making them miserable is the thing they're afraid to let go of. In many ways, it's a lot like a drug addiction. You know, The person fears, if I quit using this substance, whatever it is, um, then my life will be miserable. But they know that it's the very thing making their life miserable. Maybe it's not the only thing, but it's the main thing. And they have this weird... Compulsion to hold on to it. I mean, I have this conversation occasionally with my daughter in law, and I worry about my son because she likes to. And it's all it's it's not Gucci bags on credit card because then I'd be flipping my shit, right? It <laughs> is. It is. You know, uh, it's it's eighteen bucks at Ulta for makeup. It's you know, I went to Five Below and bought two things for ten bucks, and it's like you guys only have a thirteen hundred square foot house, right? Like, I, I know there's things in your home that you bought over a month ago that are still in the bag that put them in, in the store. And won't admit it, but you can look at the face, and you know what I mean. You're like, yeah, yep. that's right. Nope. So setting this this upward limit for yourself is the key to freeing yourself from that because then, cause it's, I'm not trying to take your fun away. Trust me, I don't give a shit how much fun you have or don't have. But by setting this upward limit, I'm trying to help you assure yourself that you can have fun for the rest of your life. That, that's what I'm, I'm angling for, but people don't see it that way, and it is a weird compulsion. I mean, what I've tried to explain to people is, like, you're going to get wherever you're trying to get to in life, but you may not know what where you set the coordinates on the GPS for. You might want to pull back and take a look at that and make sure the destination you've set is actually where you want to go.
1: Well, exactly. And there's, I talk about multitasking, which ties into that instant gratification too, because they're the same, it's the same neural network. So when you buy an item, you get this dopamine dump. It's like, ooh, you get that rush, right? You feel good until you get home and you go, oh, God, I spent that money. I don't really need that thing. What did I do? And it's the same thing with multitasking. Multitasking, we've been taught, is efficiency. Well, it's not. It's been proven. I mean, humans are, hunt- we come from hunter-gatherers. We did not multitask. If we multitasked, we would have been dead. You can't sit around, have a conversation with your buddy, and go out and go hunting in a place where you're not just hunting. Things are hunting you, and you're screwing off on your iPad and texting. You would have been dead quickly. You know, You had to focus on one task at a time, and you had to get it done. That's how we're kind of wired. So that's what actual multitasking does as well. You get dopamine and adrenaline dumps. So they found this. So what happens is you're not really finishing anything, but you feel like you're finishing things. Hmm. And then you get addicted to it. So the more addicted you get to it, the more – that's why some people are checking their email 50 times a day. They, they go back and forth between email, social media, and texting over 100 times a day. And they wonder why they're not getting anything done at all and so it's realizing those things and it's kind of that's what the whole declutter your life book is all about is it's putting all these pieces together. You know, social circles. I talk about that. You know, if you want to improve yourself, surround yourself with people that you want to strive to be. You never want to swing down. You know what I mean? You don't want to surround yourself with people who are doing worse than you or not accomplishing something that or have accomplished some haven't accomplished something you've already accomplished. I'm not saying get rid of just people, you know, but I'm saying if you want to do better in life, you need to surround yourself with those people who are, have those things in common. And we tend to, and that's a big thing. I, I learned that in the health world. The first thing that happens when someone goes to change their health and they come back and you know, they go tell their family or their friends, they go, their friends instantly try and sabotage them because they know if you start to change, it's going to make them look bad. So it's easier to bring you down with them. And it's always easier. I always talk this to my clients. I go, you need to find a place when you need to work out or you want to eat healthy. You need to be around either those places or people. It's going to make it a lot easier because if you're, you know, you go to a party and you're all, you know, I'm just going to have the chicken and salad and your friends are just going to light you up. You know, it's not worth it. You know, it's it's about putting things around you to help you succeed. And that's what I'm trying to do with with the books is trying to give you all the tools that will help you better your life and succeed. And I know they work because I've done them. I've taught other people to do them. Now, are they perfect? No, no. And that's what I teach, too, is, is everyone's path is different. You have to find it for yourself. I can't hold your hand. And that's another problem is people expect the easy button. They want this shit just to appear. They want to wake up and be skinny in a week. You know, They, they want to make double what they make today. And it's also part of the mindset of, of what I teach as well is, is even jobs. You know, Most people today are really dissatisfied with their job. They hate their job. And I go – I've talked to friends and people. I go, okay, I know you don't like your job. I didn't like my jobs either. I've had some that I hated. But there was one thing I always made sure, that I treated the job as a stepping stone. If I didn't like it, it didn't mean I could slack off and screw off all day. It meant I had to treat it as almost my own business because of what, I've seen this with entrepreneurs too because that's what we deal with a lot, right, Jack, in our circles. People want to run their own business. They want the freedom, right? I go, if you half-ass that job and you don't show up and give it your all, you don't learn things that you need to learn, I've seen this time and time again, is you go start your own business and you take all those bad habits and that screw off time and you take it right into your own business. And that's why you fail. I go, if you treat that crappy job as your business and that you need to learn and a stepping stone, the odds are you're going to be far more successful in your own business because of that. And that's a, it's a tough one.
0: I definitely agree with that. As we get ready to wrap up here, though, Gary, um, your book is on decluttering. So other than buy your book, read it, and follow the instructions, um, how about two or three first steps for a person that realizes I just have too much shit in my life and I want to get rid of some of it. And I would say, you know, a 10-yard dumpster may not be a bad idea. You can call a company up and they'll... Put it right in front of your house, but if they're not ready for that yet, where do they start?
1: Well, and it, the book also has a chapter on decluttering your house. So it's not like I just avoided that whole topic. It was just I felt that was a smaller part of the big puzzle. Um, for me, and what I've seen with other people and taught other people, is look in your garage. <laughs> that's, that's usually ground zero for a crap collection. And you go in there, if you can't get a car in your garage, that's a problem right away. Your garage is meant to park cars in. If you cannot park cars in there, you know you need to start there because you clear out your garage first. So you get rid of all that stuff, either yard sale, Craigslist, even though you get a bunch of goofballs sometimes. But you, you just need to get rid of it. Clear the garage out. Clear it out first. Then you park your cars in it. And from there on out, there's no room of no cars being in there. Your cars have to go in there. Then on the weekends, you pull the cars out, and you start staging room by room. That's where I started, and that's where I I recommend people start, is you just do it chunk by chunk. And you have to evaluate whether that item, if it gives you joy and it actually improves something of your life and is necessary, you get to keep it. Problem is everyone thinks everything is a keeper. It has to have an impact on your life. I think it, I saw a, a stat. To, the average American woman has 30 outfits, one for every day of the month. Mm. I'm pretty sure all those aren't bringing you joy. Um, and, and looking at things like that, men don't get off either. They're just as bad. Don't get me wrong. We just
0: have other crap.
1: We have other crap. We, have other we crap. all have too much crap. Yeah. With With the decluttering side, that's what I would start with. And then you evaluate from there. Once you kind of clear the house out, you got to go to the outside, look at the backyard. Does it look like, you know, you know, uh, a scene from, you know, apocalypse now or something? You got to kind of clear it out. It, it's, it, I, I've done it. My backyard was a mess at one point. I had crap everywhere, bikes and tools and who knows. So then clear that out. And then what it does is it makes you evaluate your house. Cause then you go, Oh crap. I got a lot of room now. Is this how – more than likely the house is too big now that you got rid of all the crap. So then you can evaluate downsizing and saving money that way, getting a house that's more affordable. Maybe rent for a while, save your money, maybe buy a house, fix her up her cash, take the big leap. Because that's what I'm teaching too is debt-free. You teach it too. Debt-free is the way to go. I've been debt-free for almost a decade now. I've had some instances where I had to finance some stuff here and there, but it was quick. It was paid off really quick. I'm telling you, you want to take some serious stress out of your life and and be happy, get rid of debt. I mean it's a totally different life. So I would start there and also look at your life purpose. Is there a way you can melt, kind of melt in your, your life purpose and passion into a way of turning that into profit, turning that into money, which will turn into freedom? And kind of see if you can piece all those things together. And I give a, a very easy example of life purpose. People always take it too far, right, Jack? You say that and they go, well, I need to save the whales. I need to change the world. I need to blow up DC. I need, to... no, 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 no. You know, you're not going to be Elon Musk. You're not, you know what I mean? More than likely.
0: No, I, I get that completely because, like, whenever I, I work with people about entrepreneurship, I'm like, let's figure out how to make you $100. And yep. They're like, oh, I gotta make more than a hundred dollars. No, you, you. No matter how much money you want to make, you got to make your first dollar. I think that's shooting a bit low. So let's figure out how to make a hundred bucks. Because yep. if you can figure out how to make a hundred bucks, all you have to do is twice that, and you got two hundred, and twice that, you got four hundred, and twice that, you got eight hundred, and eight hundred bucks a month. It's not a full time business, but it changes the average person's life.
1: Well, it's stepping stones too, it's right? It's stepping
0: stones and having a reachable goal. But the key, the key is that goal has to go in the right direction. So many people set a goal, and it's an easy goal to reach, and they get there, but they actually just went off their path. They started going the opposite of where they should be headed. And, and that's one of the biggest things. I see people, they, they, they're working hard, but they're going in the wrong way. It makes me think, you remember Shaquille O'Neal, right? Yep. Great basketball player, terrible free throw shooter. Right. So they had to hack a Shaq here in Dallas. Right. Uh, What's his name? Don Nelson came with the whole thing. Just if he gets the ball inside, just beat the shit out of him. Put him on a line. He's going to miss at least one, probably both. And so Shaq being a competitor, what did he do? He practiced free throws, but he practiced shitty technique. So he got better at being shitty at free throws. Right. So like that's what I see most people doing with their life is like they're working really hard. But they're actually working to the opposite of what their real goal is and then wondering why the thing that's supposed to be getting closer is more like in the rear-view mirror, you know, and objects in the mirror appear closer than they are. So when they actually look over their shoulder, man, that shit's way over there now. How'd that happen? Well, you're driving the car. You're the one heading away from your destination. I see so much of that, man.
1: A lot of it. And it's I think it's the impatience And again, the instant gratification kind of mindset that comes with it. And that's why I tell people, you know, people look at me and they go, oh, you must have the life. And I go, yeah, it's a 10-year overnight success. You know, it only took me a decade to get here and I'm still working at it. This isn't, you know, this isn't perfect by any sense. Uh, You know, I have more things that I'm going to do. And you have to look at it that way. It's, you know, don't quit your job tomorrow.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Start
1: a exactly. business, that's a big one. I've seen that. I know mean, you've seen that happen yeah, a lot. Don't, exactly. they get pissed
0: and- I, don't tell your wife I told you to do it because I didn't do it, man. You know, you, the instant gratification is a thing. When I was a kid, I remember I went to see my grandmother one time, like after school, my, and she was going to spend a night with her. So she worked at this diner. So my, my mom drops me off there. I don't know how old I was, and say eight, somewhere in that range. And I'm going to stay there until the place closes and go spend a night with her for the weekend. And she says, do you want a piece of pie? Well, yeah. Well, what kind? Well, what kind you got? So he points to the thing, uh, apple. She says, you want it hot? Like, And it's ice cold. You remember the old diners with the spin around thing with the pie in it? It's yeah. freezing cold, you know? And I'm like, well, maybe, because I'm a kid. You know, I want my freaking pie. She goes, oh, it won't take very long. So she takes this piece of pie. She walks in the back. About 25 seconds go by. She comes back, hands me this piece of pie. It's screaming hot. What the hell? She said, I put it in a microwave. I was absolutely dumbfounded. I, it, it was amazing to me. It had that, you know, that kid, oh, my God, type of response to the fact that my pie was instantly hot. I could not get my head around that. Today, if they said, remember John Kennedy said in, in 10 years, basically, we're going to go to the moon. If someone had the stones to stand up and say in 10 years we're going gonna to go to Mars, you know what people would say? 10 years? What? The, what the, 10 years? And I think we've just lost... That concept of delayed gratification, because so many things are instant now, that I even catch myself sometimes, like being impatient or going, Me "What too. do you mean? What do you mean this thing I bought on Amazon is going to be here in three days instead of two? What, what the hell? Like, do you remember you used to buy stuff on on TV, six to eight yep. weeks? Yep. Right? <laughs> you yeah. know, and where you bought things in a catalog, you had to write them a letter and and and, and then they'd send you a thing back on how to order it, like." We have no concept of this anymore, even us. Like, we remember it, but we still live in this same world, too. And there's just a lot of that that needs to be kind of uh, uh, revisited, I guess, so that we have reasonable expectations for ourselves. Because weight loss thing, same thing. I had a person one time telling me, like, you know, I I can't believe that, uh, you know, I've been doing this for, like, a month, and I've only lost five pounds. I'm like, do you know what a five-pound tub of butter looks like? Look, yeah. Yeah. You lost that. Now, if you set that thing on fire with a wick in it like a candle, do you understand how long that thing would burn if it was on fire? And you had to thermo, use thermogenesis to burn that much off of your body in a month. You should be elated. You That's know? 60
1: pounds in a year.
0: That's 60 pounds in a year. And you probably didn't put that extra 60 pounds on over one year. You probably did it over three or four. So if you could take it off in a quarter of the time it took you to put it on, you should be elated. You should be motivated. But people just don't seem to think that way anymore, man.
1: Well, and we it, part of the problem is we compare each uh, to compare ourselves to everyone else, and it's kind of keeping up with that Joneses mentality, right and I had to get out of that and I found once I kind of detached myself and said, "This is about my happiness, not worrying about how I look to others it it changed it changed everything because then I found I was buying buying far less items because my friend would go, "Oh I just got a new mountain bike i would you know." W- 20 years ago, I'd go, Oh, I got to get a new mountain bike. He just got one. I got to get one and kind of getting out of that mindset too. And, and understanding like your car is a tool. You don't need the average cost of a car. I think is 36 or $37,000 today. I'm going to say most people don't need that expensive of a car and, and kind of realizing that at the point of life you're at, you go, Okay, do I need that car? I need something to get me to work. You know, I need something. And that's the whole mindset, right? Of not buying what everyone else is buying and everyone else is in debt. Look at it as yourself and go, what can I afford? And what do I need to accomplish my future uh, tasks and where I want to go? And hey, we've all been, hey, I'm not perfect. You know, I still, every once in a while, I'll buy something and go, God dang it. You know, mm-hmm. why'd I buy that? But I'll return it. Th- that's the difference today is I'll take it straight back. Or I'll mail it back and go, that was a bad idea. And kind of understanding that, and you're right, budgets are huge. No one budgets anymore. That's the biggest thing is most people kind of know how much they make. They have no idea how much they spend. They don't keep track of any of it. They just spend till it's all gone. And that's where the financial freedom book, I'll get, I'll get a lot more into that in the next book. So I hope people can see where I'm going now and they followed my journey a little bit. It was a little, little bumpy here and there, probably going, what is Gary doing? My God, you know, but it was my life purpose. It was me finding my way. And I didn't. One other thing, too, is I didn't force it. If if me and you had this conversation 10 years ago and you go, Gary, you're going to be a self-help author. I would went, Jack, have another shot, buddy. (laughs) That ain't going to happen. And here I am, you know, and I'm an actual writer. Who would have thought that? I'm not going to say, you know, I'm the most elegant writer in the world, but I'm an information writer. That's what I do. You know, I'm sharing information.
0: Well, I think we're lucky to live in a world where uh, you can accomplish anything today if you really want to. And I mean, I think anybody can be whatever they want to be today. And it's a lot about the things that we talked about today actually knowing where you're going, having a destination, planning on actually getting to that destination, then checking yourself, like, if I, if you're going to take an action, then just stop and say, does this get me closer to where I want to be or further away from it? And you know what to do if the answer is further away. Um, I think we all know. It's just a matter of do you have the discipline to do it. So, man, yep. I appreciate you being with us today. I definitely encourage people to check out your whole Simple Life series and uh, your newest book on decluttering. I think it would be great. I'll have links to where people can find everything for you today. And uh, thanks for being with us, man.
1: Thanks for having me again, Jack always fun.
0: Once again, great talking to Gary. I do have links to his uh, website and to all his books on Amazon if you prefer to get them there in the show notes for episode 2448 which was today's episode. As we wrap up, let me remind you, you can help the Survival Podcast and the work that we do by simply doing your online shopping at tspaz.com whenever you shop online. Nothing costs you any more money to do that uh, than it would otherwise. So It doesn't hurt you. It doesn't cost anything. It's painless. A couple extra seconds, you help support us and you'll see all the reviews that I do on Amazon. Today's Amazon item of the day is the Spider Wire Wolf Tackle Bag. Now let me tell you something before I tell you about this bag. I don't have any brand loyalty to anybody in the fishing industry uh, when it comes to things like bags and and, and tackle bags and stuff like that. I don't care. I just want the best. And when I went out to try to find the best tackle bag for my behind the truck seat uh, fishing kit, where whenever I was somewhere with my truck, if there was a place I could hit, I could just grab it and go, I found this bag. There is so much to like about this bag. It it has so much more capacity than it looks like. There's a video uh, of my kit in the review today. And when you look at it, you realize how much I'm able to do with just what's in this bag that I can grab, throw over my shoulder, and go down a ditch with. Uh, It kind of blows you away. One of the features I really like is it has a line minder on it on both sides where you can take reels of line, and they, they are on the outside of the bag. And because of the way it's designed, when you're winding line onto a reel, it doesn't overspool. It maintains some tension the way you try to get a partner to do for you with a pencil through it and hold their fingers, and they never do it right like that. It does it all by itself. And that means you can wind line onto your rods, various uh, tests and, and make and what have you, with no trouble. That's just one of the things I like about this bag. There is not a better bag on the market. This is one of those things. There's not a, a, a tackle bag that's five hundred dollars says Gucci, Alright? It doesn't exist. We don't. Men that go fishing don't get sold by a Gucci label. We just don't. So whatever the best bag is, I promise you, I can afford it. And this is it, and that's why I have it. And if you give it a try, you're gonna love it. The Spider Wire Wolf tackle bag. I don't care that it's made by Spider Wire. I care that it's damn good. Check it out, and you'll see why. And if nothing else, check out the review today just to see the video. Of what my back of the seat, back of the truck seat fishing kit looks like. I think you'll like it. Uh, next up, I speaking of videos, I put out another video today. Um, we had uh, Joel Karsten on last week about strawbell gardens, and I said I was going to order his stuff, and I did. And I've just started a strawbell garden in the aviary. Uh, yesterday, I put the inoculant that I got from Joel and watered it down, and I do a tour of my aviary. Pretty cool video. That's out today. Now, you know how you know all this without me having to tell you online and you wouldn't miss it when I don't tell you online about all the extra stuff? If you're a subscriber to the Daily Mail, all you got to do to that, go to the survivalpodcast.com, click on subscribe, fill out a form, your name and your email address. And once a day, you'll get an email that says, "Here's all the new stuff I put out." And maybe, you know, "Hey, here's a video on YouTube that I didn't even put on the blog or something like that." But that's all the Daily Mail is. You never get bothered or harassed or anything. You'll only hear from me, I promise you. Consider subscribing to it today. With that, let's wrap things up, talk about our song of the day today. The song is Drive, uh, originally released by Incubus in 1999, but covered here by Boyce Avenue. This is Boyce Avenue week. Never heard of Boyce Avenue before John Adams put them on the uh, on the lineup for me. And I uh, really like them. And they're a much po- more popular band than I thought they were. I guess I'm just old and I don't pay attention to new bands anymore. And I like when new bands do covers and do them well. Because it exposes younger people to music that us old fogies used to listen to. This one's kind of in the middle on that. This is an 80s music. This is late 90s, almost 2000. That's still 20 years old now, okay? Just to drive it home. 20 years ago, 1999. This song, Drive, is about being driven by fear. And how that, what your life could be like if you weren't driven by fear. And how it's bad to be driven by fear. You know me. I like to kind of examine things a little deeper than that one-dimensional level. Most people in their life are driven by something. They're driven by something. Recently, my nephew and my niece-in-law, I guess that's what you call her, uh, really got a beautiful new home. They're renting it for at least a year. Gorgeous place. Beautiful, big, huge neighborhood. And my wife and I went over for a party this weekend. And when we came back, she goes, that neighborhood's so huge and so many of those big houses like that. How do people afford houses like that? I'm like, well, we can afford a house like that. We just prefer to have kind of a rural you know, place. Yeah, but you do what you do, and they do what they do. What do all these people do that there can be that many houses? I'm like, well, honey, there are 6 million-plus people in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Some of them are doctors and lawyers. But do you want to know what the real difference is between people that live that life or whatever life they really want and the majority of people who just kind of try really hard? but don't quite always get it done, and always seem to be kind of that stagnated point, and they don't ever advance to where they really want to be. And she said, what is it? I said, the the people that get there are driven, but folks, they're not driven by fear. They're driven by a desire to achieve something, to become something, to have what they want. And what I'll ask you to do as you're listening to this song today is kind of flip it on its head about not being driven by fear and figuring out what your positive drive is. Because are you going to really tell me if you sat down and figured out exactly what you wanted in your life five years from now, and let's not say, well, I want to be the ultimate fighting championship champion or something. Like, something that requires that kind of a talent. You either have it or you don't. You can work on developing it. You can become more. But you you see what I'm saying there. There are some things that if you don't have the innate talent, that they might be beyond you. But if it's where you're going to live, how you're going to live, what you're going to have in your life, there isn't a single need for talent to have that. What there is is a need to discover what talent you have and direct them towards it. And if you really think about it this way, if you define where you want to be and then you become driven to be there and you spend the next five years, you're going to tell me you really can't get there. If you're willing to have the discipline and commit that every time you take a step, you take, make a decision, you're going to just ask yourself, is this moving me closer to where I want to be, keeping me where I am or moving me off the path? And if it's moving you off the path, you absolutely don't do it. If it's keeping you where you are, do you really do it? Does it make sense right now? And what could you be doing otherwise to take a step forward that you're not going to get there? You're not going to be able to have those things. That's what real drive is all about. Determining where you want to be and being driven by the desire to get there rather than being supposedly driven by fear. Because I'm going to tell you something about fear. Fear really doesn't drive people. What it actually does, holds them back. With that, it's been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or if they don't.
2: Sometimes... I feel the fear of uncertainty stinging clear And I can't help but ask myself How much I'll let the fear take the wheel and steer It's driven me before And it seems to have a vague Untamed mass of Will I choose water over wine And hold my own and drive It's driven me before